Welcome to the snooze button. Hey, I'm Brittany of Brittany She and Sleep. I've got 99 problems, but my kid's sleeping isn't one. Hey, everybody. We have a very exciting guest today, Jenny Greenstein of Your Soul Style. Thanks Hi, for everyone. Coming on. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. So Jenny and I talked about this a few weeks ago. We're recording this in December, but I was like, what would be the best episode and guest to have on for the new year? And I thought, Jenny, like new your soul style new year new you we're gonna look mm-hmm. great we're gonna feel great so mm-hmm. and your client so if i i didn't say this already but guys this is our next client confidential so we're gonna get a real inside peek into working with me from somebody interesting and fun who has a lot going on in her life that you guys are gonna be very curious about so jenny welcome thank you so much for having me so first um i want to talk a little bit about your soul style your business because it's such a cool concept so jenny has like turned was my client kind of turned into my stylist and helped me feel so cool and pretty and fun on my trip to mexico with my husband our first child-free vacation in five years so what gave you the idea to start your soul style um and like what sets you apart i guess from other stylists because i think there are a lot of things Thank you for that intro. Um, yeah, so I started Your Soul Style in um, was it 2012. But prior to that, I had been working in the styling and visual merchandising space. I was just working for big corporate companies doing it. I've always wanted to work for myself, and I've always had this deeper desire um, to, to kind of discuss or establish this methodology that was more about the integration between style and mindfulness. Because so much is, of how we dress is, is goes deeper than just the clothes. There's so much more to it. And I can remember even when I was younger, because style and fashion has always been something that really resonated with me and has been a passion of mine. But even starting at like a very young age, how I self-expressed was something that I was very intentional about. About. And I literally, literally remember sitting in my bed and almost like writing out like a like an intake form of what it would look like if I had an actual client. Like, what's your name? Cool. What are the colors you like? What are the styles you like? And you know, I was very young, and I guess somehow that seed was planted a very long time ago. Um, so when I was working in, in fashion and visual and styling in corporate, um, there was a disconnect for me because, you know, I wasn't really paying attention to the embodiment piece of it, the mindfulness, right. the conscious, intentional piece of it. And I wanted to create, like I said, a method that, that put those two things together. So I started to kind of play around with it and started writing about it. And I started a blog in 2012 and I called it, I don't know if it was called, I think it was called like my soul style. And then it evolved to your soul style. Cause it wasn't just about me. Um, and I put together basically what I put together, like PS, like 20 years ago when I was sitting yeah. in my bed in high school, putting this together, I put obviously a more evolved, um, intake form together and I just launched, you know, I just launched. Um, and then in 2013, I finally left corporate America and I said, I'm just going to just, I'm going to do this. I'm really yeah. going to do this. And I think, um, what does separate me from, because there's obviously I live in New York City, there are a ton of stylists and editors and people that are, you know, deep rooted in the fashion industry. And there's, there's, there's space for all of us, right? There's right. space for all of us. But I think what does separate me apart from them is that there is more of like a coaching and therapeutic aspect to it. So we do a real deep dive into the, like, we do a lot of the inner work, because mm-hmm. I believe that style starts from inside. My tagline totally. is style from the inside out. And I absolutely stand by that 100%. So in order to actually, like, style's the medium, right? It's the expression. Right. But like, let's talk about what's going on underneath that so that we can totally. ensure that there is an, an alignment of both the inner part of yourself and the outer part of yourself. Because when you don't do that work and you don't have those conversations, many women don't even think about what they're wearing. They're just sort of in default mode. And they're just kind of putting totally. on 
clothing and putting together ideas that, you know, maybe were influenced by by parts of their lives that weren't serving them. And, and yeah. they're, you know, so it, it really takes some time to be intentional about it and evaluate it. And then we kind of can build upon that and explore what that looks like um, on the outside. That's so true. It's funny, as you were saying that, I was thinking like, I bet there are people that like wear a certain color or a certain silhouette because like a toxic ex-boyfriend like told them that that looked good on them or like something like that, where it's like, it's they're true. literally like dressing in it. That is literally what you're saying. They're dressing in a way that's like correlating with a part of their life that like didn't serve them. Um, so yeah. That's so interesting. Yes. And it's, you know, we talk about influences because that is like a, that's a huge piece of it. And influences can be positive and influences can be negative as well. Sure. So, you know, my work with my clients is really tuning out all of that noise, that chaos mm-hmm. in your head that is kind of directing what you should or shouldn't be doing and really tuning into what your own voice is saying. What is what is right. authentically mine and how do I tease that all out so it makes sense for me so that it feels authentic and in alignment yeah. with who I am at my core on a soul level? Because right. I don't want to show up wearing a costume. I don't want to show up wearing things that, you know, my mom told me that good on me when I was like seven, you know, like that doesn't really make sense for me as I evolve as a person and become a woman and and move into the different iterations and phases of my life. Yeah, totally. And you know, it's, it's like that feeling we all get when you walk into a party and like, maybe you're a little bit overdressed or underdressed or whatever. You're like, Oh my God, it's like too sparkly, whatever. But if you've done that work and you're like, this is what I feel good in. This is like who I am. I feel like there'd be much less of that feeling of like, Oh shit. Everyone's in jeans and I'm the one in a dress. You'd be like, because I like wearing dresses and they look good on me and like this is who I am and I'm fine with it and that, that's fine. And I also exactly. love that you you did an intake when you were like a child. Like I don't think there's that <laughs> yeah. many people. There's no like hedge fund managers that were like ripping stocks, you know, when they were seven. Like that's pretty cool. I think most of us wanted to be like firefighters and cheerleaders or whatever. And now we're doing our something totally different. So definitely your yes. calling. Yeah, if, you know, if I wasn't. Um doing what like the like if I wasn't a stylist I would probably be a therapist <laughs> so sure. what I do is definitely um sort of this combination of both I did there was there was a point when I was working before I launched your soul style where I started my MSW program program at NYU um and I also did during COVID I did my like over 100 hours of life coach training and I'm going back for my certification in the fall so a lot of the tools and a lot of the techniques and a lot of the like insights that I've learned along the way are Mm -hmm. integrated into the process there are exercises and tools that um that make sense for for this kind of work yeah that's amazing so I'm sure you get a lot of women who are, for whatever reason, like kind of insecure about what they're wearing, right? Either if it's like on a day-to-day basis or for special events or whatever. So what are you, besides the work that you have them do, like what kind of like tips or things do you have them think through or like basically to like give them that confidence back, you know, like what's, Mm -hmm. how does that process work? So in that initial, with any client that I take, there's always an initial conversation and Brittany, you know, like this Mm -hmm. is like about an, it's about like, it's a very juicy conversation. It's about Mm -hmm. an hour and a half Mm -hmm. and three things I think to think about, um, or three, three examples of things that we work on would be like one, um, color palette, right? Like what is your color palette? What, Mm -hmm. what speaks to you? And, and, it could be neutrals. You know, I live in New York. A lot of people dress in black. Mm-hmm. Um, if you live in a warmer climate, or I mean, mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter, but like, you know, maybe you're drawn to florals or mm-hmm. brights. Um, but you really need to sort of identify like a color palette. And, and yeah. we, listen, some people come to me and they say, like, I'm open to color. Really, truly, yeah. I'm open to color. I like all that. That's great. Yeah. 
some people do that. Most people do have like a range of color that they like. And it's, it's a really good thing to think about. Um, it helps you strategize when you're shopping and pulling pieces, you know, mm-hmm. when you're out in like the on the interweb or shopping yeah. in a store and you're sort of like, you know, you see all of this coming at you and it kind of helps you to hone in and get more focused on what you yeah. like and, and really like owning it and knowing it, I think is really important. Another thing I think would be important is mood boarding. Um, yeah. I do that with my clients and mm-hmm. it's really about like kind of pulling in images and gathering images of, of ideas that resonate with you, head to toe looks and, and a vibe. Really, you're going for yeah. a mood, you're going for a vibe. And if you're sort of disconnected from your current style, like it's really important to see it, to like actually like touch and feel it and see it. I mean, on the internet, you know what I mean? It's usually digital, totally. but like, you know what I mean? Like quote unquote, touch and feel yes. it, see it. Um, and then once you start like kind of like gathering those images, it's it's pretty clear how cohesive and consistent what you are drawn to is. So then yeah. you start to like be able to name it. Like, what is that? What is that? You know, so is it, oh, wow, I'm really drawn to like urban style. I, I wow, my, my whole style is like super femme. Like, I'm like ultra femme. Like, that's yeah. really what I like. And once you see it visually, you can now name it. So you can like, I'd say like label three words, like three adjectives that describe your style. So now you have your mm-hmm. color palette. Now you have your visuals of what looks good or what, what resonates yeah. with you. Now, you. now you're naming your style. Like, what is it? <clears throat> what works for me? And then like, who, who, what am I inspired by? Like, who are my, who's right. my muse, right? Like what, like whose style do I aspire to look like? That could be a celebrity or all on Instagram. It could be a blogger, yes. an influencer. Um, it can be a public figure, you know, it really does. It could be mm-hmm. your best friend, you know, it really right. doesn't matter. It's just when you have that point person in your mind, now you sort of have that image and it, you can kind of back into that when you go shopping, you know, like, oh, I don't need to like replicate exactly what they look like, but, but I dig that. Like that feels good right, for me. Right. And if you're so, 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 so far away from your personal style and you're just like, well, I like this person and then, but this person over here, I like it's then, yeah. then it's, then it's, then it's like tr- trial and error. Then, yeah. then you're sort of in a space where you're like, you're taking pieces of what you like. And then there's this, there's a period of time where you're kind of testing the waters a little bit with, with new silhouettes and um, new ideas. Yeah, totally. And I think I remember that conversation with you and you did a really good job of like marrying the things I was telling you I was drawn to and what I actually like wanted. Like I remember at one point bringing up like love shack fancy and you were kind of like, yeah, but you're, you're telling me that you're like theoretically drawn to that. But like you feel like Clara from the nutcracker, like you buy these things and they're like too cutesy and they're too like precious. And you helped me like find silhouettes and like patterns because I like pattern and print that were, was not so precious for someone who's five, three and has the body silhouette of a 12 year old boy. Right. The ride mm-hmm. of a little kid. So it's like the best, I think it's the best part of what you do. Um, yeah. Yeah. Finding the balance, right. Between like what your frame is and what your shape is and what your like kind of just what your vibe is like on its own without clothes right. and having clothing that, you know, sort of finds a, finds a line of like balance between, you know, what the clothes are helping you to, if you, if you don't want to look youthful, you want to have a sense of style or wear clothes that kind of bring your clothing a little bit more um, elevated or a little bit more tailored right. or a little bit more chic because, you know, you're trying yes. to achieve something different. So you have to find a different combination. Yeah. And it worked. I looked great. I think the best single piece you told me to buy that I've worn so many times and I never would have bought otherwise was a linen blazer, a white linen blazer. <laughs> like I wore it in Mexico, but you can wear it now. I can wear it with like sparkly pants to a Christmas party. I mean, it's like a universal, especially I'm in LA. So like you can wear linen like anytime. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But it's like amazing. So yeah. Okay. So I, 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 blazers are definitely like one of my like key pieces. I mean, I like them partial because I love them, but yeah. um, I think it really brings a look together. It's a really nice layer. It's something different than just a jean jacket, which I think a lot of people kind of default to often. Yeah. Um, 
you know, there are some people that will come and say, like, I just, it's not my jam. Like, I don't, I yeah. just don't like blazers. They're too menswear inspired. Like, it just doesn't, I don't vibe with it. Yeah. So there are obviously alternatives, but I do think it's a key piece for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But you also, I mean, from what I can see of your style, you do a good job of just not projecting what you would wear. Like, <laughs> I don't think the, like, stuff you picked for me from, like, um, Farm Rio, I can see you wearing, like, a, this, like, big green, like, poofy dress. But, like, for me, it was outside of my, like, comfort zone shopping but per- when I put it on and went to dinner I was like this is me this is amazing um mm-hmm. so what like closet essentials would you say and the audience of people listening to this is predominantly moms who are probably short on time um and maybe either don't have the budget or maybe don't want to like you know spend on tons of clothes every season so like what mm-hmm. staples would you suggest for women who are moms to invest in to keep them like looking young and fresh and cool but still chic and elevated. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, really good denim, I think, is key. So a lot of time, I mean, we just, we, you and I just had this conversation about yeah. like skinny jeans, but yeah. um, there are so many different shapes of denim. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously there was like the skinny jean era. And then, then there's that whole conversation, like, are skinny jeans still cool anymore? Yeah. Like there was that whole article that kind of bashed them and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and I would say on that, like skinny jeans are kind of a closet, like, not a closet staple for everyone, but it's just one of those silhouettes that's like, it's always going to be around. It's always going to be there. I'm all about how you style them to bring them more current. So if that's a shape that works for you and it's easy to put on and it feels comfortable, I don't think that you should ditch them. Um, so it's not like super chuggy. If I wear the cool blazer you told me to get and have like a nice mm-hmm. bag and nice jewelry, it's not mm-hmm. the end of the world if I'm in skinny jeans. I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. Not at all. Um, Great. And... That being said, there are a lot a range of, of, of denim shapes. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, having some some variety in your closet would be useful. And I think spending some real time, like finding the shapes that work for you too. You know, yeah. like again, like wide leg, straight leg, boyfriend, yeah, girlfriend, look, I got some new high waist to low waist. <laughs> I got some like, new ones. They have their like they have like a slit, their favorite dog. Oh, I love this. Cool. Yep, and they're like a high waist, which is not usually my thing, but they look really good. I think they look good on me. I wear them mm-hmm. all the time. I get so many compliments. Are they blue? They're like, they they're like a very, back. very, they're like a very, very light wash. Yeah. And they're like a little bit, you know, a little bit frayed and stuff. They're cute. They're the, yeah, so for people listening, they're the Valentina Tower, I think. I think that's okay. I like Favorite Daughter. I think they're yeah. doing really good stuff. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so I think, you know, exploring like new shapes. So it's like, hold on to your skinny jeans, like keep them in your closet. Like it's a great staple for you. It's useful. Mm-hmm. Um, but don't let that be like the only shape, you know, like, right. like I think introducing some new variety would be great. So go into, you know, carve out some time for yourself or whether it be like on the internet or going into a store. Right. Um, and if you're on the internet and purchasing it, just get it from a website that is like free returns, right? Like it's an easy, you know, comes to you yeah. and it's free shipping back um, and get yourself like, you know. 10, 15 pairs of denim. And I also recommend getting two sizes of each style because when you're mm. shopping online, um, it's such a pain in the ass. And so every true. single brand um, is slightly different sizing wise. Mm-hmm. So I'd say get your true size and like either like one up or one down based on what they say about the sizing in the comments. Like, does it true to size? Does it run big? Does it run small? They, a lot of designers and a lot of websites do do that. So yeah. um, get two. So that's what I'd say. I think yep. undergarments are really key. I know that that's mm-hmm. not like like the um, like what everybody sees, but base yeah. layers are really important. And, okay. I, and especially when you're a new mom or even like six yeah. months or a year, whatever it is, it's yeah. like your body has changed a lot, right? Yeah. So I can't tell you how many times I'll go into a client's home and they're 
or, or they'll come meet me in a store and they're fitting, meaning trying on the things that right. I've pulled and nothing is really fitting right or laying right because their bras are like all misshapen and blown out and they're oh, oversized. Like, because, every like, mom they, is like, so true. <laughs> because like, like, you know, your boobs get so big. Well, not everybody's, but like mine yeah. not so big. Yeah, um, same. When I was pregnant and then I nursed for two years and then it's like, I'm going to like... You got to update your bras, girls. Yeah. Like you got to update your bras and your under and your underwear too. You know, okay, and your do you have too. a brand or a few brands of bras or even underwear too that you recommend because I feel like this is so hard for people. And we all go back um, I'm like in text chains and we're all like I hate my bras and they're all terrible. So for for underwear, I my favorite brand of underwear that I've been recommending like nonstop is LDMA. Um, because I really like the hold. It's not like a Spanx hold, but it's like, not like a, like a, like a shape, like it's not like shapewear, but it's, it's heavier weight, but not heavier weight where it feels like it's too much to wear every day. They have a high-waisted version and then I think a regular, um, and they have a thong or a full back, Mm -hmm. like, you know, whatever your preference is. Yeah. Um, I also like skims. I do wear skims. You do like like, skims? Okay. I think it's like the every, I wear thong. So, um, I think it's called the everybody thong. Uh-huh. Um, that is like on the flip side, like very lightweight. Um, and you don't, like actually like don't even feel it on your body. Yeah. So if you are looking for some kind of hold, that isn't the choice. But I knew Skims does have those options as well. Yeah. That's, that's just a specific style. Okay. Um, for bras, I, I also like Skims bras and I really like negative. Um, negative. I've seen re- ads for them. Yeah. Yeah. I think negative is really easy and clean. It's a great everyday bra. Um, mm-hmm. I highly recommend it. It's not like breaking the bank. It's like, you know, it's, it's accessible price point. So I think right. it could work, but, but pay attention to, to your undergarments for sure. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, I live in New York. So as far as like closet essentials, like we're in, it's freezing here now. Yeah. So I think like, ba- like base layers, like, you know, like, like long sleeve right. bodysuits, really good t-shirts, um, mm-hmm. long sleeve t-shirts, knits. Like I think, when we go shopping, it's like we get so excited to get all like the sexy stuff. And like, and when I say sexy, I mean like not like literally sexy. I mean just like the exciting no, pieces, like right, the, the fashion the pieces. Party. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, like oh, like I need to go shopping because I have, I'm like you know for Saturday night. But it's right. like most of our life is just like regular everyday clothes. Totally. So that is actually the piece worthy of investing into. It, you know, it's right, almost like you right. can do more like fast fashion for things like date totally. night or or you know occasion specific clothing, but like you know, good t-shirts that are not like discolored or blown out or like shapeless anymore, like really good denim that you could wear every day. I think like leggings, I think like have like a bad, I mean, I think like I almost went through a period of time where I was like, throw out your leggings postpartum, like you're not wearing legs. I don't really feel like that anymore. I have a different perspective on it. And I really truly believe it's all in the styling. It's all in how you wear it. Like, you're going to pair your leggings, I'm sure I said this to you, with, mm-hmm. like, your linen blazer and, like, a cool oversized, right. like, band t-shirt or something and wear right. them with, like, really cool sneakers and a hat. And, like, you're going to pick up and you look really cool, you know? Totally. Really comfortable. You could transition very seamlessly to the park in that. Um, yeah. And then still feel, like, elevated and, like, you look cute and, like, you didn't just, like, grab what was on your chair, you know, in the morning. Okay. That is actually – I'm glad you said that because I think that is where so many of us get tripped up. So – Let's say you have some good basics, right? Like you have a good pair of jeans, you have a nice long sleeve body shoot, you've invested in that stuff. Like what are the ways that you make that look pulled together and intentional and not just like she rolled out of bed and forgot to make the kids lunches today? 
you know? Well, you need to practice what your clothes look like together. So you need to be mm. your own stylist. If you're not working with yeah. one, you need to actually right. employ yourself to do that work. So what does that mm-hmm. mean? It's like, okay, I have all these pieces now. I have all my basics. I'm all locked right. up. Now I'm going to spend, whether it be Sunday night, giving yourself 30 minutes to kind of plan, you know, what's yeah. Monday through Friday look like, or every night before you go to sleep, after you put your kids down. I know the last thing that you want to do is like now go into your closet and like figure, it could be a pain in the yeah. ass. Like I don't, I know I have two kids. I'm just like, I don't have right. that. I don't even have 10 minutes to do that. I yeah. just want to sit on the couch and like scroll on Instagram because I have like no more energy. You know, like right, it's just, right. I get You're, it. We've all been there. Um, um, but it's a practice, like anything yeah. else in terms of self-care, right? Like we want to go to the gym, but like, you know, it's annoying, but we go anyway because it's like good for us, right? Right, we exactly. Don't, we don't want to like drink the, like the smoothie in the morning. We want like, you know, bacon, but like we're going right. to have the smoothie because it's good for us and we're going to do it as a ritual every single day. Right. Getting dressed is another ritual. It's another practice of self-care. So where are you going to carve out the time to be intentional about it? Um when you do it and the more you do it, like all of those other practices, it does become second nature. Like totally. once you sort of have your like combinations figured out and in a good flow, then they're, then you have them. Like they're in the back of your head. You might even want to take a few photos of yourself for the first mm-hmm. like month that you do it. And then you have your phone, you have an album. It's called like drop off looks. And these are the things that work. And you just reference back to them. Like you don't need to like reinvent the wheel every single day. You know, yeah. you have like 15 good, strong looks. It's kind of like plug and play. Totally. Yeah. And you're so right that any of those rituals, like if you do something that you've been doing for years and somebody else is like, I can't believe you do that every day. And you're like, it takes me three seconds to make a smoothie. Like, why is that such a big deal? But sometimes it's getting over the hump of like, if you just take a couple of minutes to figure out what jewelry you could wear on a day-to-day basis and put it somewhere else. So each morning yeah. you can pick it, then yeah. you'll just do it every day. And it does, Definitely. it changes how you feel. I was very conscious in the pandemic, as I'm sure you were, of trying not to just like be in like pajamas and stuff. I was like, I might not be going anywhere, but it changes how you feel when you feel like you've gotten dressed for the day, right? And you're mm-hmm. like pulled together a little bit. It yeah. really helps. I mean, I think, I think like, you know, I've gotten a lot, like, especially since the pandemic, like so many people come to me and that is like always the, the like the first thing they say is like, I have not gotten dressed in two and a half years. Like yeah. I've been in pajamas for two and a half years, like SOS, yeah. like what is happening? Um, I think there's there's a space for total athleisure, like comfortable clothes. Like I don't want to like go without saying that, right? Like this is not like you have to show up every single day as your best self. Like there's a percent of time that like it's just for like chill time. Um, But yeah, like you want to you want to care. You want to care. You know, like this is this is you. This is how you're. This is how you're like moving about your day every single day. Like you do want to put some time and intention into it, and there's no shame in that. Like there's nothing shallow about it whatsoever. No, not at all. Um, I love that. Okay. I want to move on and talk about other stuff too. But before we do, do you have any like hot takes, things that you believe about style, clothing, shoes, jewelry, whatever, that you feel like is kind of unconventional and like different from what others would say? Hmm. Yeah. I would say um, I think most people or like most people who are um, in the fashion industry or connected to the fashion industry would sort of um, focus on trend and what's Mm -hmm. current. Um, And I want to tell your listeners that they need to focus primarily on authenticity 
um, and what speaks to them. How you interpret that and how to make that current is a different conversation. But the first primary thing that you need to focus on is what is serving me? Like, what is my personal style? Um, Not necessarily what this influencer said you have to have, not what this magazine said is what's current. Not to say that you don't want to take that information in, but there are going to be a lot of things that don't actually resonate with you. And you need to figure out what doesn't work for you and what actually does before you even kind of go there so that you can be more focused in your approach and how you dress. Because none of us want to show up like we're wearing a costume or feel like we're wearing a costume. And I know like being in New York, you can get really, I mean, me too, like you get really inspired by what people are wearing because there's lots of fashionable and you live in LA. So it's the same deal, like lots of fashionable people Mm -hmm. around um, and being able to distinguish that you have an appreciation for a certain kind of style but it's not yours. It's kind of what you were saying before. I love it's that. Like the way that I, you know, I don't impose my personal style on my clients. What I do is I look at their style through my lens. So it's almost like, right. I, what would I wear if I had your style? You right. know, it's not my yeah. style. It's almost like what? So it's my spin and my perspective on like what I would be wearing if I was if I had your sense of style, but it doesn't mean it's mine. So again, yeah. like again, you're walking around, you can get inspired, but it, it's it's not like you have to like kind of take that completely on and, and have that be your style. You are able to draw a line between what's mine and, and what's not mine. I love that being like being inspired by or loving somebody else's style. Yeah, we've all had that moment of being like. I could never roll up to a party in that, but like she looks amazing and props to her. Like it's not going to be my thing. But, like mm-hmm. you're not your whole thing because it's all from the inside out. Like it would be a terrible message to send. Like you should be authentic and your true style, your soul style, but also like you need to wear capri pants. And the person's like, I hate capris. Like why? Yeah, like, it's like, it's like every year. Every year it's like oh, like the color of the year is like magenta, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm never wearing that. You know, it's just like, it's just, and I think not, not that I'm knocking somebody who actually like really enjoys like leaning into that, but like every time, every time I think like, oh, like maybe I should like wear more color. I wear black a lot. Um, I, as every year I get more and more like empowered by the fact that like, that's my jam. Like that's my color, not my non-color color. Like I'm cool here. Like I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. You seem to be doing fine in that department. I think, I think you're also, (laughs) I think you're good. Um, okay. So you have talked a bit already about living in New York, um, which, you know, I'm a New Yorker who transplanted when I had a young baby. So my only experience as a mom in New York was the one where you can like roll up to Carbone with the baby strapped to your chest and like guzzle some wine. It's just not what you're dealing with. You have kids in school, like it's totally different. Um, so what, what was, I guess the reason you guys chose to stay in the city once you had, both of the kids and what do you feel like are some of the like best parts about raising kids in the city and hardest parts? Yeah. So, I mean, we are a same sex couple, so that Mm -hmm. definitely impacts our choices on like where Mm -hmm. we want to live. We live in, if not one of the most progressive city probably like in the world. So there's lots of space for inclusion and diversity and um, all different kinds of family dynamics. So that feels right for us. I mean, Mm -hmm. Dina, my wife, and I, like, we're just, like, tried and true, like, New York people, for sure. Yeah. Um, but then just even just in the terms in terms of, like, our family dynamic, like, it really just makes sense for us as an totally. environment. I mean, you know, Vita goes to school. She has two moms. Like, nobody blinks. It's yeah, like, right, It's like, right. oh, oh, okay. Like, you know, it's like, it's like not, totally. not a, it's a non, non-thing. Non-issue, um, yeah. Non-issue, that's what I meant to say. Um, on the flip side of that, it's like we live in a bubble. 
Right. And it's not really how, like, as we know, like the rest of the country feels, right? Mm-hmm. Like our, our country is like super polarizing. Um, mm-hmm. So so sometimes I think in terms of like almost living in New York City as a negative is like, are we exposing them to like really how like how this country really is and like, you know, mm-hmm. how, how people really are. Right. Um, it's almost like they live in a bubble and they're not really seeing. And because of that, we do try to obviously expose them to other things. We very lucky we have a place upstate in the Hudson Valley. Mm-hmm. So that gives them more exposure to like a little bit more of like, um, Slower you know, pace. what like yeah. what, what, what the color of our, our whole country, um, right. you know, looks like. And um, yeah, so, so it's, it's living here is amazing, obviously for the diversity element, you know, it's on the pulse of art and culture and music yeah. and fashion and um, all of the things. There's always something to do, you know, truly, right. literally always something to do with museum, a park, a show. A, it's just, it's not, the, the downside is that we all, we live in smaller spaces mm-hmm. um, and, you know, we're a family of four, so it can feel tight, Yeah, <laughs> you know, for sure. Um, and, you know, we're not in nature, but, yeah. you know, like, so, you know, we're missing that piece. And it's freezing here, and I hate cold weather. So, um, my the rest of my family actually doesn't mind as much as I do. But if it was up to me, I'd move to LA. I I, to I'm with you. People are always like, "Oh, are you? You know, you must like be fine in the cold because it's where you're." I'm like, "No, We're, our bodies are the same, guys. Like, we all have like the same like core body temps. Like, it's still freezing. If you're used to freezing weather, you still hate it, or at least I do. So, I totally get that. Um, I think it's cold <sighs> yeah. here. It's like 58, but it feels it feels cold. Winter is winter is tough in New. I mean, winter, like it's you know, it's a beautiful time of year because it's Christmas and it feels very festive here, of course. But it's dark at like four. Yeah, (laughs) it's kind of gloomy. I have that like seasonal affective disorder thing. I mean, February and March can be brutal, right? That's like when it's January. It's like fine, okay, but February and March, you're like, get me out of here. So you guys have to plan a a trip your own somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Definitely like at the Puerto end Rico of my or rope, something. my rope in March for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's a good vacation time. Um, so, and you had mentioned you guys are a same-sex couple. So with that, like living in New York, what made you guys decide after you were married, like we're ready to start a family? And then how did you go about the process of deciding, you know, because it's obviously you're not doing it the old-fashioned way. So who's yeah. going to carry the baby, like what that process was going to look like? Yeah, um, well... Fortunately for me, my wife had like zero interest, so mm-hmm. we didn't really need to like duke it out. Um, I, ser- I served it up as an option. I was like, yeah. "Hey, like, are you sure? <laughs> I mean, if you know Dina, like, you're just yeah. like, it's just, like you can't even imagine. It. Like, she's just, it was just like an not her vibe. Um, no, not not her thing. So, so deciding who was going to be the birth mom was mm-hmm. was um, really simple for mm-hmm. us. And as far as like conceiving goes, you know, like I. We're not obviously doing it the old fashioned way. <laughs> and um, so I did fertility and basically mm-hmm. the first we started with IUI and I don't mm-hmm. know if your listeners are familiar yeah. with that, but it's, oh, yes. you know, AKA artificial insemination, right. um, like within like a fertility clinic or at a doctor. Right. And um, I did that four times and it actually mm-hmm. didn't take. So, you know, it's interesting, like obviously um, not everybody gets pregnant as fast as they want, you know, in any you know, medium right. of trying to conceive. But I had this sort of like idea in my head. I was like, it's more of a science. So I feel like it's just going to like happen because it's all like carefully done and right. everything's like timed so well. So after those four times of, of it failing, I was like crushed. It was really, really challenging for yeah. me. Um, and it's very taxing on your body physically because it's just, there's, there's a lot that goes into it. You know, it's yeah. not like you're just like having fun trying to conceive. It's like much right. more medical. 
Yeah. When that didn't actually take, I had decided to move. I pivoted pretty fast to IVF um, Mm -hmm. because it's like that was even more of an exact science. Right. Right. So I did IVF with Vita and she was conceived or like this on the second IVF round. Um, Great. The embryo stuck. I was fortunate that I actually got a lot of healthy embryos through that first Mm -hmm. round so that I was able to freeze a bunch if I had wanted to have a second baby down the road, which is what had happened. And then four or three years later, um, we tried for a second baby. And I'm very lucky that I conceived Bloom on the first round of IVF. And I didn't have to go through all of the harvesting of the eggs and all of the beginning pieces of the fertility stuff because I had had all the embryos. So it was a much more seamless fertility journey with Bloom. Um, And it was it was amazing. I mean, it was it was wild and amazing and beautiful. I feel like you're such a natural like birth mom. I don't know. I feel like some people, I'm just one of those people, I'm great with the baby, but I hate pregnancy and I hate like the whole thing. But you just strike me as somebody that's just like, I just see you like in a bathtub giving birth, which I don't think is what actually happened. But like, you nope. seem like that was, that would be like your vibe. And you would just be like, yeah, mm, this you is know, natural. I mean, I think, like, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I didn't, I mean, by the end of my pregnancies, I was definitely done, but I, I wouldn't yeah. say like, I like, I, I'm, I'm much more, I feel bad saying this, but I, I enjoyed my pregnancy with Vita a lot mm-hmm. more just because I didn't have any child you to take care of. Yeah, so of I was really able to like focus on being pregnant when I think when you have yes. like other kids, like when you're pregnant or one or whatever it is, it's like, oh my God. you almost like forget you're pregnant. You don't even have time totally. to think about your It actually pregnant. goes like, oh, a lot faster. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you don't have um, time. You're like, you still have to pick them up and like do whatever. Yeah. There's no time to like be at the spa having, you know, prenatal massages. Yeah, Yeah. totally. But I did have a total like medical birth and I had an epidural (laughs) and I was in a hospital setting. So I I didn't have that like bathtub birth. Yeah. I had a OB. um, (laughs) I didn't have a midwife. You did that the Um, old fashioned way. (laughs) And I did, I did actually, you know, it's interesting that like, that's how, like how you, like your perspective of me, because I, 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 I understand like why that would be your perception of me. Um, and I was very intentional about how I wanted to have like a medical birth too, for like a yeah. lot of different reasons. Like I really felt safer in a hospital. Like I didn't, I wanted yeah. to be in that environment should something go wrong. And I actually cool. did lose a ton of blood with both of my births. Oh, births. Wow. So I, it was really good that I was in a hospital. Yeah. No, I was the same way. I, I picked the hospital. Where did you deliver? Do you, are you at, guys at NYU? I was Sinai? at Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai. Yeah. I specifically picked Columbia because I just Googled which one had the best NICU being like, if something happened and lo and behold, mm-hmm. early birth in the NICU for two weeks. And I was like, thank God. So we moved here. I did the same thing. I'm like, we're going to Cedars. Um, mm-hmm. That's great. So for you guys now as a family of four, mm-hmm. you were the one who birthed the girls, but you're both their mothers. So how mm-hmm. do you guys balance like kind of the traditional role of parents? Like, do you, mm-hmm. do you feel like you kind of fall into like you're more taking care of them and, and Dina's more like working or like, how does, and who does like the cooking, you know, how does that work mm-hmm. for you guys? I think that, I mean, I would say I'm the primary, I would call myself the primary caregiver mm-hmm. um, for sure. As far as like the division of responsibilities, like they, you know, it's like, 
I wouldn't say they're like stereotypical, like like mm-hmm. a heterosexual couple, or I mean, not even that heterosexual couples are. Like I shouldn't right, say right. that. Um, but we have no, but like roles, I know what you mean. roles yeah. and responsibilities, and like it's almost like we don't actually have like a chart, but like <laughs> if we could like you know like a pro con list, but like yeah, we, right. like if it was like Dina and Jenny, like underneath them, there's just mm-hmm. things like unspoken that have happened over the last years. There's just these sure. unspoken like responsibilities and roles and rule and and tasks that we accomplish and it just works it just works yeah I mean, not 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 like always like sometimes there's resentment and there's like bickering about stuff but like, like every couple in the world yeah but we are we're we're, we're, we're definitely like a 50 50 you know i mean i think That's great listen, like everything, it's a marathon, not a sprint, right? And it's like an ever evolving dynamic. So Mm -hmm. like right now, I'll say Dina is um, in a new role at work, and Mm -hmm. it's much more demanding than it has ever been before. Mm -hmm. So the skills are a little bit different, you know, like I've had to sort of pick up more um, at home. And that's okay. And I have the flexibility to do so because I work for myself. And that's like, we're a team, like, that's what we do for each other. And there might come another point where she's more in like a coasting place. And I'm like, ready to really ramp up and, you know, there are certain seasons that are really busy for me and I really need the support from her. So it's just, it's kind of, it's kind of like in, it's kind of always moving, you know, it's like a moving target. Which I think is much more the case with, regardless of if you're in a same sex relationship or heterosexual, I think that's how a lot of us are. And I've actually found it's really fascinating through my job. As you know, I get to know each family very like intimately. And I found it so not just fascinating, but also very encouraging how many families have sort of like non-traditional like roles and like how they take care of their kids and how their home is run. And it's not like everyone, the dad gets up at seven and goes to work and a mom stays Mm -hmm. and like bakes all day. It's very, very different. Um, so that's kind of cool to see that. I think the, we're all just evolving a lot. Um, yeah. Yours sounds a lot like my house. And then also like, I mean, uh, during the pandemic when everybody was home like the second parent or perhaps the parent that's more out of the house more whatever that is male or female or female female whatever it is yeah um got to be have more insight as to what's happening at home totally right so like here now like i'm more integrated and i'm i see what's happening and you know i now i've picked up all of these tasks over the last two years like i don't want to let them go i really like them i want to do pick up once a week i want to do drop off three days a week you know whatever whatever that is yeah totally i love that um, so what would you want, you know, cause there'll be, I'm sure families listening to this who don't know any same sex couples who have kids, maybe that they're not in a part of the country where like that's in their school. So like, what mm-hmm. would you want them to know both about like what maybe is hard for you guys and you feel like people don't understand and especially how to educate our kids about mm-hmm. these conversations? Yeah. So like even just the other day, right? Like, like Biden just signed the Respect for Marriage Act, um, and, which is a really, really, really big deal, like mm-hmm. major. And he, I think that like, you know, I'm in I'm in a same sex marriage and my kids like live and breathe this every single day. You know, it's part of their life. It's like they don't even really think about it. It's second nature right. to them. Like this is just how their family is. Sure. Um, so in terms of like educating them on things like the Respect for Marriage Act or, you know, the Equality Act and things like that, we talk about those things. We have a library stocked with books on two moms and two dads and all mm-hmm. really like all diverse families. Um, I think that can sort of get lost in the shuffle for like straight couples because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, it's, I'm going to use the word normal, but like, um, right. you know, heteronormative, right? right. It's just sort yeah. of like that the majority of people are, you know, so right. you don't really think about like how you want to integrate those conversations into your home because it's not like you're, 
part of that community. Right. But it's really important to bring that conversation into the home because that teaches your kid about inclusion, about empathy, about how the world doesn't all look like you. So mm-hmm. I'd say the responsibility and the onus shouldn't just fall on the LGBTQIA plus community right. to be educating their kids. Their kids already know. It's right. actually up to like the heterosexual couples yeah. to be having like those conversations with their kids. And I, you know, I know it's a it's a difficult time, right? Like politically, mm-hmm. it's a difficult time. Like, you know, different parts of the world, country, I should say, mm-hmm. different parts of the country um, are at, at odds with different things when it comes to yeah. um, the LGBTQIA plus communities and, and rights and whatnot. Yeah. But if you are someone who believes in like inclusion and empathy and diversity and progress um, mm-hmm. and supports all the different kinds of people, then it's, I think it's a really important to bring that kind of dialogue into the home. And that's like starting at a young age. I mean, really, truly, like not always having to even be a teaching moment, just having books in your library that happen to have a storyline and a plot that has two moms. Like it literally has, says nothing about like, yeah. like lesbian or gay or, or heterosexual. Right. It doesn't even have that language. It's just, oh, it happens to be two dads. You know, it just happens yeah. to be that. Then it becomes, they, they, you know, kids see a lot. They learn a lot through storytelling. So, yeah. you know, they all they need to do is like read a book. And it's like they've been exposed without you even having to have some of those trickier conversations that maybe you don't feel like they're developmentally ready for, which I, I understand, you know, like yeah. you're talking about gender and sexuality or maybe conversations, you know, for later. But even right. just having like a library stocked with with that kind of stuff would be would be useful. Yeah. I was actually thinking as you said that it's like it almost it would almost be nice if it just didn't need to be a conversation, right? Like if it's just always sort of, yeah, this is just the way the world is, then there is no conversation, right? They just grow up understanding people's differences in, in the ways will. that are appropriate I, yeah. for them. Yeah. I think it is moving. I really, I do think it's like moving in that direction. Like I, I, do I truly do. It's just very, very slow. Progress is slow. But even in this, like the last 10 years that I've been married, like there has been so much change within like, you know, politics and, and the community. So I believe in it, you know, um, and not even just because I like live in a bubble in New York City, but because like this is like decisions that are being made by our government and our governing sure. body. Um, and I have to believe that it's moving along for the better. So, yeah, I think you're right. Um, I love it. Okay. Now, I'll quickly talk before I like totally just talk your ear off here. We'll talk quickly about us working together with Vita. So it's been, yes, I think like a year and a half since we worked. It's been a while. So what was the catalyst for when you guys first called me and you and Dina reached out and were like, we need help. Like, what should we do? So I would say we never really gave Vita good like sleep hygiene. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like I was a first time mom. I was definitely the type of mom who was like, I don't want to listen to her. You know this. Like I talked to yeah. you about this. Like I cannot listen to her cry. Like it's just, you know, I just I viscerally like would yeah. like like spiral out, you know. And in hindsight, now that I'm more grounded mm-hmm. as a parent, I'm just like that was so dumb. Like that was like yeah. so dumb. And I totally like, like drink your Kool-Aid and I believe like everything you say. And I actually just referred you to like Vita's, like the threes group, like Bloom's group. So um, you might be well, getting some thanks. calls. Um, so when Bloom was born, right? Like, so mm-hmm. Vita was, had just turned four and I was like, there is, there's just no way that I could like operate and function if Vita's yeah. not sleeping with like a newborn baby. I just, oh like, I was like losing my mind for a lot yeah. of like, I mean, like lots of different reasons, but um, yeah. it was like emergency situation. And I was like, I, I just can't take it anymore. So I think Dina got your information from maybe a, a recommendation from Google. Yep. Yep. I think um, it was. Yep. And then I got a lot of called Googlers. you and then I was like so excited. I was so ready. Um, 
do you want me to like go into yeah like, I mean you it? were so um, ready you did great yeah yeah it was like life-changing um you know so you I mean you were just so thoughtful about like all the information that you gathered about our family and just about like the challenges that I personally mm-hmm. have had and you know I do think and I said this again in like the group for blooms like the parents of blooms class yeah. today it's like so much of it is about like the parents it's not even about the kid and it's like I needed support almost like more than actually Vita did like you created this framework and this structure that like I just needed a plan and it needed more hand-holding and more support because I think it could be really hard for it it is the grown-ups that it's hard for it's like totally less less hard for the kid right like they acclimate pretty fast and just like learning through like and learning as a parent, like kids like thrive with structure and like boundaries mm-hmm. and, and, the, and especially around sleep, you know, like they need right. a system, they need tools, they, they need all of that. They need self-soothing skills. Those skills are like the skills I think that they gain from soothing themselves to sleep are applied in like so many different other areas of their lives. Totally. Like it's sleep is, it's not, it doesn't just end at sleep. It's not like, oh, Vita can put herself to sleep. Like do, 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 like we're done. It's like, no, like she could actually soothe and settle herself with like in difficult right. situations. Cause now she has those tools and those skills. Right. right. So, I mean, of course, like, you know, starting anything, like implementing anything that's a change can feel really hard, like on day yes. one. But that shifted really fast. I think by like day two or three, I was like, okay, like this is cool. We're good. Like, and I mean, she yes. acclimated so fast and she's like an epic sleeper now. Like it's, it's amazing. amazing. It's amazing. It's, ama- it's like total, total game changing. Yeah. I'm so glad. And I think you guys are like such a good case study for all of this because I remember our first conversation and one of you saying like, do you think this is sleep or did like, do you think she just has like anxiety or something? Like you guys weren't even sure if you were like at the right place. And I was like, yeah. hey, we're going to, we're going to fix this. This is fine. Because I think there's almost, you know, when it's a little baby, everyone's like, oh, whether they're comfortable with it or not, they understand the concept of like, oh, I should, should shush pat or like I should feed them less. But when it's a child who's like talking to you and is saying they're afraid and don't leave me and you're like, I'm their mom. Like I shouldn't leave them. It's really hard to make a big change. Um, but as long I, as you I remember. stick to it, you know? I remember, like, one of, like, I think it was, like, either the first night or the second night, like, Vita, because we were, like, doing, like, the walk back to her bed when she was getting out of it, and I was, like, standing at, like, the, she's in a bunk bed, and I was, like, standing at, like, the base with her, and I think I I wasn't, you're not supposed to talk, right? So, like, I was just, like, I was just, like, (laughs) standing there, and she was just, like, hugging me, and I was, like, in my mind, I'm, like, you got this, 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 and then all of a sudden, like, I just sort of, like, Maybe it was like five minutes, three minutes. I don't even really know. But like, then she like moseyed her way back up the stairs, and I'm like, oh my god, it's working! Oh my god, it's working. oh my god! You're just like, it's like, it's, it's the best feeling. She's, she's doing it, and I was like, and I was so proud of myself for like withstanding. Yes. Like, my, it's like she again. Like, it's like she she got it, and like, so did I had to get it too. Yeah, like I had totally. you know, was that co regulation or something? Like, I had to like soothe myself through those moments. Totally, I was anxious about it. Yeah. I think a lot of this whole process is doing less. It's like stepping back and like giving them yeah. space, right? They just need space to learn. And you did mm-hmm. a great, fabulous job. Um, mm-hmm. So, okay, I'll let you go in one minute. I guess the last thing we should say, like from that experience, what has improved in, you know, maybe long-term or even in the immediate sense when it happened with your, you know, your marriage, your mothering, your work life, like what did you feel like changed the most profoundly from having a good, having being able to sleep again? Yeah, I mean, I personally thrive with structure. 
so having like the sleep being structured has been incredible. Like it gives like Dina and I were able to like reclaim our time after mm-hmm. our kids go to sleep too. Right. So it's almost like that 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. window where we're like, oh my God, like they're like our kids are sleeping. This is like, this is like, you have to, like, talk. You know? you like have a conversation. Yeah. yeah. And then like going to sleep, knowing that like, you know, without like a question mark of like, how is the night going to shake out with like that anxiety of like when you go to sleep and then just, I cannot function not rested. Like I'm like not right. a nice person. <laughs> Me either. Rested. And I'm short tempered and I have a shorter fuse and yeah. I'm irritable. And you know, it's hot. Parenting is really hard. And I, I, I yeah. get that way anyway, even with rest, you know? So right. you know, obviously kids all have like one-offs. Like I think you and I had like Bloom was like sick recently and yeah. she was waking up in the middle of the night. So like, you know, like that happens. That's like right. obviously going to happen. But I like trust that we can kind of get back into our, into our right. structure and back into our system. And, and because we have that like framework in place, we can get back right. there and we can like operate in the morning, you know, we can, it's, yeah. it's not all smooth sailing in general, but like, it's like, it's a good starting, it's a good jumping off point in the morning when we all wake up rested, right? We can move about totally. our day, um, just like less emotional, you know, yeah. and just feeling better. Totally. Like you just said, like they're like parenting is hard enough without being tired. Like my kids all sleep through the night and I still some days I'm like yelling and I'm annoyed and it's just tough because life, life is bigger than just sleep. So having yeah. that foundation is amazing. Um, well, thank you so much for your time, Jenny. Thank you. I so appreciate this so it. Nice. This was so, so fun. Nice. Yeah. And I think there's gonna be a lot of people bookmarking this so that they can look and feel like their best selves in 2023. So thanks for all your inspiring tips. Of course. We'll talk soon. Thanks for being here. Okay. Bye. Bye. Loving the snooze button? Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And please leave a review. I will read it and internalize it. So make sure it's very glowing. If you're interested in working with me or learning more about my courses, head to brittanysheehan.com or follow me on Instagram at Sleep.